I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I hit the ball first time and there it was in the back of the net. Motivation, yeah. motivation, motivation. The three M. Perverse in a, in a football field with kids watching. Ladies and gentlemen, England will be playing four, four, fing two. And that boy is how to take a penalty. Eight one. Eight bloody one. I'm just saying to the colleague, referee's got me the sack. Thank you ever so much for that, won't you? Hello and welcome to Beyond the Touchline. Um, this is a, I'm going to put it out there straight from the start. This is a little bit of a filler episode. Uh, Dennis is just having a period of absence at the moment. Don't worry, he's not leaving. We're not going anywhere. We enjoy this far too much to do that. Um, but me uh, and my good friend Seb Patrick, say hello Seb. Hello. Are going to be just doing, as I said, a little filler episode because we've got a couple of things coming up that have just needed a little bit more time, a little bit more research. Uh, but we think you're going to really enjoy them. Uh, Seb, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. Sorry, you just caught me having a swig of beer there. I thought you were going to go on longer than you did. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent professional start to podcast, as usual, from us. Um, We're just going to have a little chat in Dennis's absence about Kit, Seb, because why wouldn't we? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, could... we just want to make him uh, seethe when he listens back to this. Yeah, this um, is that purely... he didn't get to have this conversation. Purely to wind him up. Um, but we're, we're not going to follow the traditional uh, BTT format for this one. As I said, it's a little bit more freestyle and should be a little bit shorter. But um, we're just going to have a little chat about, Seb, what is the best kit in the Premier League this season? Well, it is the Arsenal one, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Explain reasons, go into your workings. Um, I mean, I I do think with the away kit, they have chickened out and they should have gone more fully uh, bruised banana. Uh, but I do like that one. But I think the, I think the home kit is magnificent. Um, I think generally, in the last few years, the best kit designs have been Adidas. 
Um, I've wanted Liverpool to go back to Adidas for a while. Um, and that Arsenal kit makes me really want to go back to Adidas because I can just picture that kit, but just with red sleeves and no blue. And even with the fact that the stripes just are on the shoulder and not down the rest of the sleeve has got that very late 80s look to it. Uh, it and the collar is grey. It's just smart and it's sharp. Uh, it's a very good looking kit. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of of our Liverpool's home kit. Not so keen on the away in third, but I think I think this season's home kits may be the best one that New Balance have done. Um, and I also really like Burnley's. I don't know if it's their away or third, but the one that Burnley wore against Arsenal this weekend just gone. We're we're recording this um, uh, on the 19th of August, so that weekend just gone. But that green away kit of Burnley's, I think, is a is a stunner as well. Mm. I uh, I actually think Dennis will genuinely be fuming not being able to interject into this conversation, <laughs> which is the best part of it. Um, but I genuinely think it's actually a, a pretty vintage year, Premier League year, kit wise. Because there are, it's a strong one. Yeah. When you when you look across all the major sides, Chelsea excluded, they've all got pretty decent kits, either home or away. So the the city kit, the home kit is fairly bland, but the away kit, the black with the hacienda reference, I think is, is yeah. I think their home kit is. I wouldn't go so far as to say not. not I wouldn't um, say not bad. I would say it's dreadful. I think their home kit is absolutely dreadful. And actually, this probably doesn't matter because it's not like Etihad need the advertising. But you can't read the sponsor logo on TV on the no. shirt. Um, um, the uh, Man United kits aren't bad. The Arsenal kit, like you say, is is a bit of a stunner, really. And sort of sprinkled throughout the league, as I said, there's at least one kit from every team that I think is is a very good-looking kit. The other thing I wanted to mention is I have a little fetish, Seb, about I love certain colours, playing against certain colours, and I am so pleased that we've got a couple of claret and blue versus yellow Norwich kit coming up this season because <laughs> that is one of my all-time favourite colours on pitch in front of me um, I'm not super keen on Norwich's kit, I don't like the, no, it's the better fade from a in the bottom half of the shirt <laughs> um, it, literally if you just took that bottom green portion off the shirt it'd be much better, I do like their away kit for obvious reasons, yes. anyone who hasn't seen it, it's red with yellow trim wonder mm. why we like that one um, but yeah um, but the, the one I want to talk about inevitably but in my defence, <laughs> I have been in love with this kit since the minute I saw it, as our WhatsApp group will attest, is Brighton have got a fully blacked out uh, away kit. Um, they've even blacked out the badge, the sponsor logo, everything on it, and I think it looks the business, to be honest with you. The one thing that lets it down, I'm willing to admit, it is over a Nike template, but mm. the black and the very, very dark grey, and as I said, blacking out the badge, etc., I think it looks pretty mean. And I, I'm not, a, I'm not a big one for buying kits. Seb, are you? No, I, I, I mean, partly because of the cost. And the, the last, the last Liverpool one that I bought was the 125th anniversary one, which was the from two seasons ago. The first one to switch to that darker red, yeah, and it had the big '96 um, style V-neck collar as well. So I really liked that one. Yeah, I, I, I had a feeling that one was going to sell out quickly, so I actually did a rare thing and pre-ordered it at full price rather than yeah. waiting for it to get knocked down in like March or something. I, 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 I more into retro kits, so. 
I would always end up, if I was going to buy a kit, I would invariably end up looking at something new and then buying something from about 1987. Mm-hmm. But this black kit is sorely tempting me into mm-hmm. uh, into buying it and setting it loose on, at five aside. It really is. I, um, I, I like Brighton's home kit, actually, because I think Brighton have struggled for a few years to sort of be a bit distinctive with blue and white stripes. It's and the whole thing of having two... <laughs> shades of blue so it's usually being the darker blue stripes and the lighter yeah. ones and it really didn't work on was it last seasons or the season before where there was quite a big contrast yeah and, it was the, the, um, the last seasons was the one on the night template where it had the light blue sleeves mm. and it's the problem is with blue and white stripes is it's they are so generic it's nigh on impossible mm. to to get something like really iconic so if you look back at Brighton fans' favourite kits, they're nearly always like the British Caledonian Phoenix Brewery era, which were essentially blue shirts. You know, there there were no, mm. there was pinstriping on them, but they weren't blue and white stripes. And uh, you know, the it, one of my one of my various day jobs. Obviously, I cover Huddersfield Town. They have exactly the same problem. Getting yeah. a good striped kit. Is is tough. Is really mm, tough. But I, I like that kind of that shadow darker V pattern on the uh, on the Brighton one this season. So I yeah. That's... So I I'm sorely tempted. My daughter has announced herself as a Brighton fan, a Huddersfield Town fan, and an England fan, which <laughs> one of them in there annoys me slightly. Um, but she has decided she wants a Huddersfield Town kit, but she also wants a Brighton kit. So we will journey down there and I'll buy her a Brighton kit from the club shop. But I, I don't think I will get out of there without buying myself that black kit. <laughs> and I, I won't go full kit, don't get me wrong, but it's looking like the first shirt, <laughs> first football <laughs> shirt I've bought for quite a while. Anyway, we're going to get into our main topic um, and we're revisiting something that is... I I would say beloved Seb, but with a few caveats. It's not as <laughs> beloved as some things, uh, but we're going to look at the world of Billy the Fish. Great match winning goal, Rex, but how did you manage it? This is no ordinary ball. It has a highly advanced jet engine controlled from inside. But how did you find the pilot small enough to fit inside the ball? There's only one answer. Billy the fish. Yes, I'm alive and well. My fish-like body made me the obvious choice to fly Rex's jet-powered aircraft ball. Hold it right there. I am the real Maxwell Baxter, chairman of the league committee. I accuse you all of cheating and hereby expel Fulchester United from the cup competition and the football league. My expel? This isn't the real Maxwell Baxter. It's just another cardboard replica. With a hidden tape recorder. What you heard there was a little bit from the cartoon series, which many people will have stayed up late to watch on Channel 4 or caught on repeats, as we had to back then, because there was no (laughs) Channel 4 uh, player online. Uh, That is the worst, by the way, uh, of any channel's online service. I don't know how they get away with it being so buggy and so rubbish, but anyway, personal rant over. Um, But Billy the Vish first appeared in Viz, and Viz has got a 
it couldn't have a more British history, really, Seb, could it? <laughs> it's it comes from, I mean, it was it was found in 1979. It sort of came up through the, like it was like a comic book fanzine, wasn't it? Almost um, with sort of a foot in the in the punk era, and it it's it was always political. It was always very very funny. It was mm. always very adult, and it always parodied the sort of culture around it of the Beano, the dandy. Well, yeah, and I think that's 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 the the key thing, isn't it? That it's um, it's kind of like it's like an underground comic, except it's an underground comic by people who were raised on yeah the British comics. So it, it 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 parodies everything from Roy the Rovers to like war comics, and you know like Dandere and. As I said, the Beano and Dandy are sort of direct inspirations, mm. but then also it's got sort of a foot in almost a private eye type camp um, with a heavy, heavy surreal edge to it. Um, if if you're listening to this and you've never treated yourself to one of the Profanosaurus collections, I urge you to to buy one immediately because they are just the most gloriously crudely funny thing in existence but my relationship with Viz was that through it it went slightly mainstream I'd say sort of early to mid 90s and it Mm. it rode on the back of Loaded and FHM and everything else as this sort of like adult comic and I I I have read Viz on and off for you know sort of coming on 20 25 years now it's still something that i i've never subscribed but always if i'm going say if i have to go down to london for work and i need something for to read on the train i'll always pop and get a copy of his and i'm not sure i'd read it on the train because i would feel like other people were judging me because i think it's <laughs> reputation and i think it's covers which are, the covers are often Deliberately provocative. I, th- I, th- I find it's got. A re- I find its reputation and its actual what it actually is really interesting because I think, and in in ways that we'll come to just when we talk about Billy the Fish, um, it is something that is unashamedly never ever politically correct. And I generally do not like things that proudly proclaim themselves to not be politically correct because what that usually means is that they feel that they can happily have a pop at you know any group of people and do so often in a quite insulting way and what is and usually the kind of people who get to say that they're not being politically correct are white often middle class men essentially yeah. um, now this comes from a white working class male background um it's it is unashamedly not politically correct but i think it's always had a quite interesting clash between it has characters in it um, you know, it's got your, it's got your Sid the sexist, your Roger Melly, your fat slags kind of thing. Which, I mean, I don't think it's actually ever punching down at people, and I think that's the thing. So I think it's, I think it, it gets away with sort of with stuff that is, you know, just ridiculously profane, and also, as I say, you know, just mocking kind of everybody. But I do think that it's, um, it also does tend to politically come from a point of view if not 
like kind of outwardly overtly left wing then certainly a kind of rooting for the underdog sort of thing it's, it's very suspicious of authority um it's definitely left-leaning there's no yeah you, you can't you can't deny that and it's it's left-leaning because you know chris and um Simon Donald, wasn't it, his brother, who who sort of put it together with their friend, obviously born and raised in Newcastle mm. and uh, coming Newcastle, the North East in, in, you know, the 70s and 80s was an incredibly politically charged area. So without going uh, into all of that, you know, because we are here to talk about Billy the Fish, it's mm. no surprise really. But I think the thing about Viz is that they it's it's although it, you're right it sort of does proudly proclaim that it's not politically correct and what have you there is always enough humor in it to to that you understand that no matter how bad the view potentially being expressed is they're always taking the mickey out of that there's always a uh sort of, like i say it's usually quite a sort of surreal edge to it um give us a bit of a primer on billy himself then seb so billy was created in 1983 uh originally by chris donald and simon thorpe um writer and artist and just yeah kind of started as really a series in the kind of early to mid 80s of one-offs that were very specifically taking the mickey out of roy the rovers essentially yes um, because you know we're we're at that that point in those kind of early eighties where Roy the Rovers is at its kind of peak of cultural, um, well, at, at its cultural peak really in terms of you'd had the kind of the the early eighties boom with the kind of the Who Shot Roy storyline. Then we were going into the mid eighties with the, the Spandau Ballet stuff, which which we'll get a referencing uh, very specifically in in Billy the Fish later on. Um, so it kind of starts off just as a parody of football comics and the storytelling tropes of football comics and the ridiculousness of football comics and the uh, the cliffhangers and that sort of thing um and you know with its with its key hook being that it's about a character called Billy the fish who is a floating fish who is a goalkeeper and this is like never really remarked upon he's referred never. to as a fish yep. but the fact that he's a fish who can fly and is a brilliant goalkeeper, isn't remarked upon. The only times it's ever remarked upon are when they occasionally make a joke about the fact that he's a fish but can't swim. Or a fish... Like, so there's a, there's a yeah. particular gag, which, again, we might come to specifically, um, where he's locked in Wembley Stadium and it gets flooded and he's like, oh, no, I'll be drowned. And obviously the joke is he's a fish, so he wouldn't yeah. be. Um, but other than that, you know, it, it doesn't really use Billy for anything else other than to be the hook that the strip hangs off. And the strip, um, as I say, kind of starts off just being that kind of very specific parody of the tropes of Roy the Rover storytelling. As it goes on, they continue to do some quite specific reference jokes to Roy the Rovers, things that Roy the Rovers was famously doing. But then they start to gradually shift into using it to make jokes about football. Um, and now we're kind of going to talk, I think, quite specifically about a specific era of Billy the Fish because in 1990 it had the cartoon made of it and at that point a book was published that contained, I think, every strip up to that point, um, yeah. the Billy the Fish football yearbook. So it's everything from 1983 to 1990. It has carried on since then 
Um, but I think it's become more sporadic as time's gone on. Like I, you know, I've I've been buying Viz reasonably regularly for about four years or so now. And I, I think I've only ever seen it pop up like once or twice in that time. It, it comes um, up when there's something relevant for it to comment. Well, on. exactly. That that's what it's kind of shifted into. I think after yeah. after that peak when it stopped because it did have, I mean, in so much as you can say it, it had an ongoing story. And I think eventually they just kind of gave up on that ongoing yeah, story did, yeah. and just started to occasionally do it. And that was when it became just about, okay, something's happened with David Beckham, so we'll do a strip referencing that, or we'll do a strip that will have some kind of gag about someone like Sven Jorn Eriksson or Yeah, and that Billy kind of will thing. have the hair will have a new hairstyle yeah. for each strip, you know. But but during you know in the period of the yearbook and the yearbook itself does it does itself end on a cliffhanger um, and I don't actually know how that cliffhanger was resolved because I haven't read the strip that immediately follows it but there is a story that's told kind of by the TV series uh, which which very closely adapted uh, the stories from the comic um, but the yearbook itself it's like you can read it from start to finish and it is one sequential story. Mm. Um, I mean so. at one at one point Billy is. <laughs> essentially missing we should we should yeah, discuss there's, there's, the fact that there is where there are only <laughs> there are only two billy the fishes <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you've got you've got billy who uh sacrifices himself at, at one point um yeah. and then his son who just happens to look exactly like him and yeah. also be a brilliant goalkeeper takes over and the strip continues um, yeah. you know well nothing. similarly and I'll, I'll want to talk about him a bit more we'll kind of come to him specifically but i really think that actually rather than billy the lead character of the strip is actually tommy brown the the full chester united manager yeah and uh again by this point he's not the original tommy brown he gets replaced part way through yeah yeah it, it's i think we we may as well sort of get we may as well get into it um you've got in the in the team You've got a mix of the surreal, the, those that were parodying what was happening in football comics. So, for example, we get a couple of of singers pop up, don't we? <laughs> Shaking Stevens. So, they, yeah, they they sign Shaking Stevens, which um, yeah is is clearly a very specific reference to the yeah. Spandau Ballet signing. And in fact, because I'm just gonna I'm gonna just flick through the book here. Uh, just because they generally do have dates on the strips, because again, some of them kind of follow on quite closely from one another, and then every so often you might get like six months or so between yeah. them. So they start in 1983, but they do jump on quite quickly. And I would suspect, and I'm just going to have a look, when is it that they sign Shaking Stevens? There we go. So they signed Shaking Stevens in January 1986. So yeah. that was just after 1985, which was when Spandau Ballet had signed for Manchester Rovers. That's actually he joins in the in the same strip where Sid Preston gets shot, which yeah. I wonder if that's a specific Roy the Rovers reference as well. Well, um, I, I I think there are loads of specific Roy the Rovers yeah. references. I think they've mined uh, a sort of history of Roy the Rovers, um, but then also some of the some of the. I mean, we will we will. Do I suspect more than one episode on Roy of the Rovers between us? And mm. the thing is, there are Roy of the Rovers tropes basically, and Billy yeah. the Fish plays into them. Some of the cliffhangers you were talking about from episode to episode yeah. are literally set up as 
this huge thing and complete you know the joke is that they are completely written off in the first panel of <laughs> well of the, 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 next the classic one and i think it's the first kind of major example they do uh is when at the end of one of the early strips uh, all of a sudden a character turns up and goes stop the game i'm ruthless millionaire maxwell baxter i've just bought full chester stadium and intend to build a supermarket demolition will begin at once and then the next strip begins uh with them peering behind him and going wait a moment this isn't a real millionaire it's a cardboard replica with a hidden tape recorder yeah. then that same strip ends with the same character turning up at the end going hold it right there i am the real maxwell baxter chairman of the league committee i accuse you of cheating i hereby expel full chester united from the football league yeah the next strip opens with them peering behind him and going this isn't the real Maxwell Baxter. It's just another cardboard replica with a hidden tape recorder. And I mean, when I say it's <laughs> surreal, they, like there's one strip where the game is interrupted because they get attacked by Mothra from the Godzilla <laughs> movies. And, you know, again, that turns literally the first panel of the next strip. It's all right because it was just a harmless cardboard cutout. <laughs> and that is, again, it's part of the Roy of the Rovers... We've only got three pages, at most five pages, so we can set something massive up. But often we have to, we have to pay it off extremely quickly because we need to move on to the very next thing. So it's it's there. Are, there's quite a bit going on in early Billy the Fish, and there's not only the Roy of the Rover stuff. There are one or two parodies of. Uh, people within football at the time you know Maxwell Baxter is Robert Maxwell mm. you know there's there's just he just is Robert Maxwell isn't he and yeah um you know there there are various the, the team manager Tommy Brown is a he's sort of he's a slight John Motson parody <laughs> um, but he's also every 1970s and 1980s football manager cliche yeah. rolled up into one. Um, and I'm included, and also, but also with a touch of like some some comic characters like Tommy Dexter, and but it it's it has no problem with. Uh, again, just completely undercutting that with one joke if it needs to. It was, mm. it as the series goes on, I think I, I I'm just going to come out and say this for I may as well said because I I've gone back and revisited this for this podcast and I've not had anywhere near as good a time as I hoped to have with it. <laughs> I have really really fond memories of Billy the Fish. And as somebody, like I said, who still reads Viz semi-regularly now, if he ever does pop up, it's an absolute delight. But going back to this era, there are there are a lot of things that just don't land for me. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of... There are one or two slightly dubious stereotypes, but I, I think having... Having read through it twice, I think they are knowing stereotypes. They are, they are, they're not just sort of outright. There's nothing that's sort of horribly racist or tropey or anything like that. But there are one or two slightly uncomfortable moments. There are a few uncomfortable gags. But the thing that shocked me was it's it's just not as funny as I remember it. 
but there are moments. There are these moments, like you there said. Are, there are, yeah, there are great gags dotted throughout. I mean, we, you talked before about the um, the celebrity uh, signings and the, the other pop star who signs yeah. for them. That uh, is sign- that is a marvelous that that <laughs> yeah. that little that little subplot and section is brilliant. When he whacks his first goal in, they, yeah, they, they, it's it's just for the sake of one joke. They sign Mick Hucknall, and Mick Hucknall scores an absolutely amazing uh, volley, volley like, yeah. his first touch. And then for the rest of the game, just keeps missing sitters. And then <laughs> one of the crowd comments, uh, in a sadly ironic echo of his musical career, Mick Hucknall, out of Simply Red's promising early success, has been followed up with a series of lackluster disappointments. Yeah. <laughs> and it, that's, I mean, that is brilliant. That is, it's genuinely, that is a little piece of genius. But and actually, just that thing as well of the the commenting is that's the I think that's the biggest other than the cliffhangers. That's the biggest trope that it takes from Roy the Rovers, and one of the ones that actually I think it it keeps doing successfully, and is always quite funny, which is the thing of the crowd commentating in quite lengthy fashion. In a, in a, you know, like the ball is hurtling towards the net, and you've got a load of dialogue going back and forth between people in the crowd commenting on it, and it's like it's the it's the joke that everyone makes about Roy of the Rovers, um, that the Roy of the Rovers used to do that, but I do think that Billy the Fish is generally quite funny when it does it. Like I think the I think the the style of the dialogue is usually quite funny when it does that, so I yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, but they. I... I think to just touch on some of the stuff that is slightly uncomfortable, you know, for instance, the Siamese twins. Yeah. Are... Which, there's, again, there's one good joke that they get out of that, which is when they score with a header, the referee says, I'm sorry, that doesn't count as a goal. It counts as two goals. Yeah. I'm not sure it's worth the rest of the stereotype down to their names being Wing, Wing and Wong. And Wang. And being, I know yeah. they've been deliberately drawn to look like terrible, stereotypical, oriental, in inverted commas, characters. I'm not sure the comic is making... If it is doing it as a satire, I don't think it makes it clear enough. Like You can't just do something and say, yeah, but it's okay, we're doing it ironically... I think you have to do something that shows that you're doing it ironically, and I, I'm not sure that Billy the Fish yeah, succeeds I, in that. I mean, they have so little dialogue, but one of their dialogue lines is to say, "Brown Fox, you have the ball." Yeah, which and, and, and Brown Fox is a bit of a problem throughout it. Isn't yeah, it? but you see, I think Brown Fox just like Brown Fox, basically, for those who have no idea what we're talking about, is is basically a huge-breasted Native American woman who plays as winger-slash-attacking midfielder. Um, There is very little explanation for that fact, by the way. But that is far more played as, yes, we know all these things are stereotypes, whereas the wing and wang stuff just feels... Yeah, it all feels a bit slightly yellow peril, um, Mm. and it feels a bit uncomfortable. Um, But it's... There are these these moments, these individual jokes that I think are brilliant, Seb. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, there are one or two places where it just feels a bit flat, um, and it doesn't quite work for me. But it, it's, I love the thing I come back to is, I love the completely surrealist nature of it. 
I, I still love the fact that you've got like a mad scientist playing <laughs> with it again very little explanation but every time he gets the ball he's able to get his calculator out calculator out and work out the exact <laughs> angle he needs to shoot and it, i love those little moments where it feels it basically said it feels inherently british doesn't it mm. you know there's 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 nowhere else in the world where you could get a billy the fish like this but there are, as I said, there are a few uncomfortable moments. But, yeah, going back to it, Seb, what was your sort of genuine experience? Was it, you know, were you, was it pulling on an old comfy cardigan or was it, you know? <laughs> it's tricky because I've I've, I've had this, this copy that I've got now, which I, I don't think is the original one that I had. I think I probably nabbed this off eBay. But I did get it a while ago, which means that... I've reread it a few times as an adult, so I haven't just gone back to it for the podcast. Um, I I first read this like when it came out as a kid. Like my dad bought it. I don't know if we saw the cartoon first or read the book first and then the cartoon, but it was in November nineteen ninety. So it would would have been only just as I was getting into Roy the Rovers anyway. Uh, but also I would have been only just turning eight, so I was far too young to read this. <laughs> uh, I don't know if my mum knew that I was being allowed to read this by my dad. Um, but I don't think she would have let me. Um, the thing is, I don't know if it was before or after this, but there was a um, there was a pathetic sharks uh, special that Viz put out. In fact, I've, I've got a copy of it here. So when did that come out? That was 1991, actually. That was the following year, and that was them doing something that, while it does have jokes that kind of maybe go slightly um, on the, if not risque, certain you know, kind of slightly. Um, more talked that was them doing something specifically aimed at kids it was Lou Stringer's um, Pathetic Shark strips and I remember loving that as a kid but I think I had already read Billy the Fish and enjoyed some of it but probably a lot of it went over my head as well um, so I've gone back to it since and I think yeah it has that comfort because there are certain lines and jokes that I always speci- you know, I very specifically remember and that I have that kind of nostalgic affection for um, but yeah, it's hard to deny that going back to it now, and when you read it all, particularly when you read it all in one go, it can get a little tiresome. Yeah. <laughs> There's no denying it. It is a little bit. It's not that it only has one joke. It 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 does have multiple jokes, but sometimes it falls back on the same jokes a bit too often. Yeah, um, and and I think there are there are the odd kind of individual like full episode where just whatever they're doing with like the central idea of it just isn't strong enough so for the whole page because usually these things are done in like one page sometimes two um it, it it's like if it doesn't feel like it's landing within about the first you know four or five panels it doesn't really land for the rest of the page or the rest of the, the of the episode you know mm. i one thing that i think is uh, a bit of genius that I'd completely forgotten about is the spot the difference strip. Yes, <laughs> which is is just great, and all it is is it's a half page eight panel strip that they've just printed one on the lower, uh, and it's just it's which a spot which the they difference. do because in the book 
um, they've reached a point where they've got full page strips, yeah. and then the next one that they print is a half page, and the next one after that is a full page. So they they need something to fill the bottom half of the page, so yeah. they reprint it and do it as a spot the difference. <laughs> but it's just very very funny because Billy yeah. the Fish becomes Billy the Fish. Um, <laughs> Physios got his knob out. Bobby Robson suddenly developed. Well, sorry. Robbie Bobson, Robbie Bobson suddenly develops yeah. Bugs Bunny teeth and uh, Tommy <laughs> Brown the, becomes Adolf Hitler it's in the, the last, last panel. panel where he becomes Adolf Hitler <laughs> yeah. instead of saying but we won the dialogue's been rewritten for him to say but we won so there are these moments in it but the the other thing is that there's a change of artists um, Seb and mm. the artistic styles are the character work is is very very similar but the actual panel work, and this is getting a bit comics nerdy, I know for some, it's very, very different because one is sort of quite highly detailed and and the other is left quite plain. And that's slightly jarring as well when you're reading it all through. But you have to remember the medium it was in <laughs> yeah. when it was first being delivered, which was, you know, in a magazine as a one-off strip as part of that anthology, you know. So, so yeah, it, my first experience of Billy the Fish was actually the cartoon because I think I would have been at an age when when was the cartoon first shown? So it was 1990 as well. Yeah, 1990. Yeah. So yeah, it will have definitely been the cartoon because in 1990, I won't tell you how old I was, but I certainly wasn't old enough to be going and buying Viz off the, <laughs> you know, because at one point you've got to understand Viz was on the top shelf with all the bongo mags. You know, it was considered... Mm. That adult, so there was no chance I'd I'd have been I'd have been reading it at that point, and I I remember watching Billy the Fish and being at the time fascinated by it, Seb, rather than like really enjoying it, but the surreal nature of it, um, because my only tenuous link to liking it was football, <laughs> you know, oh this is a football thing. So I'm going to like this and I'm going to record this. And it, it's, it, I mean, it's not really a football thing at all, is it? That's, that's the sort of <laughs> secret of it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. But whew, going back and watching the uh, cartoon for this pod, so whew, that was hard work. <laughs> 
Yeah. So to summarise the cartoon, and you can, it, it's all on YouTube, so you can go and watch it because it's not very long. It's only in, it's four episodes, and I think in total, it's only about forty-five minutes. And long. somebody's put them in a playlist, so they yeah. literally play one after the other. If you if you really are that lazy. Um, I have a feeling I don't know the full history behind it, but it seems that actually it was it was done as shorts that were then put together. So the shorts kind of did the cliffhanger thing, mm. but then the episodes just had the cliffhangers run directly. And it's one of the biggest failings of the cartoon is it doesn't play the cliffhanger thing right. Like every yeah. time there's a cliffhanger, it doesn't do anything it doesn't seem dramatic enough it doesn't sell it as a cliffhanger and it doesn't leave a pause it just rolls straight on with the resolution and it and so it doesn't have that sense of timing that it has in the comic where you've actually got the end of a page you've got a new title you've got a recap and then you've got the resolution because that's the whole point of the joke is the point of the joke is it's something that's treated like it should come at this big break point but it really is really straightforward so that's one of one one of the kind of biggest failures but what i'm interested to learn and i'm not entirely certain is the case is if there was a version of it before it was voiced by harry enfield harry enfield yeah uh so the interesting thing about the cartoon is that literally the entirety of it every single character is voiced by harry enfield now actually that's one of the better things about it i think because Harry Enfield is good at doing voices. Um, now you know he's <laughs> the funny thing about Harry Enfield is he's quite good at doing voices, but he's he doesn't always do them brilliantly. Like you know, I've always as a Scouser, I've never liked the Scousers. Um, partly because I think Harry Enfield's Scouse accent is appalling. Um, but what I think he can do is funny, slightly off accents, and he can do lots of them. And so in Billy the Fish, he's doing, you know, he does a kind of quite generic northern accent for Tommy Brown. He does a, a, a bad Scottish accent for uh, for Sid, the trainer. Um, every full Chester player who isn't otherwise a named character has Harry Enfield's bad Scouse accent. Yeah. Um, he does a kind of quite, he does a weirdly sort of posh voice for Gus Parker, the rival manager, which I'm not sure really works. Um, and it, and the, the limitations are somewhat laid bare when Brown Fox comes into it and he has to do a voice for Brown Fox and <laughs> doesn't uh, attempt to sound fe- remotely female. No. Um, but, but in general, actually, I just, I just think, you know, if you're going to have one person sitting in, in a recording booth having to voice every single character in a thing and the year is 1990, um, then Harry Enfield is a pretty good choice for it. And I think he does a reasonable amount to sell the cartoon. Yeah, and in, in 1990, I mean, he's still, uh, you know, Harry, Harry Enfield is sort of in the dotage of his career at this point and he's still a unbelievably talented person. But in 1990, he was, I mean, he was massive, Seb, mm. you know, absolutely massive. So it was it was a little bit of a coup getting him to do this. But I'm going to go on record now and say <laughs> I completely hated his narration. It, it's, <laughs> the problem I had with it was the all the generic northern voices end up blending into one. And it just, it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. If you did this again, there is no way you would go down that route. You you maybe have you would maybe have Harry Enfield as narrator and playing Billy with a generic Norman Northern voice, but you would everybody else would be different because it made it such a hard watch. But 
I wonder, Seb, if they were when they were sort of transferring to that medium, if there was also a parody there going on of a lot of children's animated cartoons from the 70s and 80s mm. where you did have a narrator who would do all the voices of the cartoon yeah um the thing was if it was a parody what it forgot is those animations that often the <laughs> the actual um the you know the narration was was the single biggest part of it and the voices may only be sort of 25 percent of it overall here you've got so many mm. It just doesn't work for me because the problem I have now at this point going back and watching it is A, the animation isn't strong enough to make me just sit back and just watch it and say this is beautiful. B, the writing isn't strong enough for me to just sit back and watch it and say, well, this is just brilliantly paced and brilliantly written and very, very funny. And see the voices in it aren't good enough for me to sort of root for anyone or get behind anyone. So I really, really struggled going back <laughs> and watching the cartoon. I really didn't like it. And I would I would genuinely recommend anyone who's listening to this, who's got like really, really fond memories of Billy the Fish and watching the cartoon and everything, genuinely, genuinely don't go back and watch it because it will... <laughs> It will spoil your enjoyment of it. And the other thing is, it's it's had its legs completely cut off because it's it's. I mean, it, I it, is is it a U? Is it a PG? I mean, it, it's like all the all the sharp edge from it has gone, mm. <laughs> and that really really undercuts it. There's not yeah. the the sort of surrealism on its own is not enough to get it through the gags aren't strong enough to get it through but i i, th- I think yeah the, the problem that it's got is that it's because it's 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 a reasonably faithful adaptation of that particular yeah. run of the comic like you know there's a few things that get changed um there's a bizarre moment when it adds a new cliffhanger of its own which is the plane turning into a spaceship that then doesn't get... It's the worst resolution as well because the resolution is simply the spaceship drops them off at the match and yeah. there's no kind of... It's 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 not a it's not a good cliffhanger resolution gag the way the others are. But other than that, you know, it, it follows the sequence. It changes a few things, moves a few things around, but it does follow that sequence up to a point, which is the point of them winning the league title uh, when they think they've scored but the referee's blown his whistle, but then it turns out the referee was just testing his whistle and so the goal stands. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think... While it does that, um, what it's doing is it's adapting something that is in a very specific format, yeah. which is it's these single or two-page comic strips, and those have a very specific format, and it's why the cliffhanger jokes work, and it's why the crowd commentating works, because, again, you know, it's single panels where all of a sudden you've got a load of dialogue when it that can't possibly be taking place while the ball is flying towards the net. It, the cartoon doesn't replace those no. with tropes that are specific to cartoons. It just straight up adapts them, and it does so with, yeah, like really bad animation. Like I think some of some of the art in the animation is okay. Like I actually think like the the background painted art is looks pretty nice and looks pretty good, mm. but the animation itself and and most things that are going on in the foreground are really poor and it is it's 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 difficult to watch at times because it's 
it's quite actively ugly at times, even though it is quite heavily aping the style of the of the comic. Something about it just doesn't come off in the same way. Yeah, um, they, and as I, I say, I think I think it's I think its biggest problem is that it doesn't set out to go. Um, let's you know, let's do Billy the Fish, but do it as a cartoon. It's just um, well, it is, but it, you know what I mean. It's, it's not. Let's not do it as a cartoon with a capital C. It's just going. Let's animate the comic strip. Yeah, um, but let's 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 animate the comic strip, but take <laughs> take some of the heart out of it. Mm. And it, it what what's left? It's not great. the The thing is that like bad animation can work really really well if you almost like lean into it so do you remember the modern toss cartoons that were i mean i i adore modern toss and the modern toss cartoons when they when they animated them it's really cheap simple animation but they lean into that and it's just it's absolutely brilliant whereas this just feels like really cheap animation that never stops feeling like cheap animation and never does anything more than cheap animation. And it's, you're right. Some of the backgrounds are alright. I mean, they get. I don't know if. <laughs> did you watch them all? Because they everything gets reused. <laughs> There's often you can see the same panels in the background, mm. but it it just it's a really difficult watch. And I like to say I, I'm genuinely serious. I think if you have really fond memories, and really really like Billy the Fish, don't go back and watch it. Genuinely, <laughs> Keep them don't as go back. <laughs> it, yeah, it's... And it, it slightly pains me to say that, um, but yeah, it, it's... I don't know, it, it feels... It's not even, Seb, I wouldn't even say it's because it feels of the time, because it doesn't really feel of the time. I, I, no. There's nothing in the cartoon or the, or the, uh, the, the comic strip that you would say, oh, right, well, this specifically plants it in 1988 or 1993. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's it's one that I'm I'm glad I've revisited, but I probably won't revisit any further, Seb, because I think I don't want to damage my... (laughs) I don't want to damage my memories of it anymore. I think the, yeah, I think the book is a nice thing to occasionally go back to, mm. particularly if it's yeah. been long enough that you've forgotten a lot of the best jokes. As I had, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's you know, there's still things like um the I absolutely love when Go Discs become the sponsor <laughs> and you get all of the product placement of uh Go Discs records. So you've got what's quite interesting is I mean one of them is I'll sell this ship alone um by the beautiful south which is uh, a fantastic record and there's a there's a whole sequence of panels where um, Tommy and Sid are just listening to it in his office and it's like say hey, boss this is a nice record isn't it yes it's fantastic i'm not a big fan of pop music myself but this is different i really like it it's called i'll sail the ship alone and it's the brand new pop hit from the beautiful south out now on go disc records and so you have this whole thing where they're talking to camera and selling it and then at the end of that instalment uh, it says uh, it does like the little cliffhanger text and it goes what's to become a full chest and Tommy Brown has hung up his coat will Billy the Fish take over the United Helm will I'll sail this ship alone the fabulous new single by the beautiful south make it to the top of the Christmas pot charts and then there's an asterisk that's been added for the book that says historical note like arse it did but then a fantastic and unintentional 
punchline to that joke is the next one that they do it with. They do it with uh, Dub Be Good To Me by Beats International. Um, and then the cliffhanger text says, Will the latest release from Go Discs prove as spectacularly unsuccessful as I'll Sail the Ship Alone by The Beautiful South? The great irony being that Dub Be Good To Me was a number one smash hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, this is what I mean. There are... There are really good moments in there, and there are really good memories in there, but it's I don't know. I I just stay clear, stay clear of the cartoon. Stick to the yearbook. Don't mm. read it regularly, and don't do what I did because I think the other thing that hurts itself is I read through this the first time all in one go. Mm. I I sat down and I thought I was really looking forward to it because I've not read it for <laughs> so long, and I read it through in one go and it. It becomes, <laughs> it becomes very. When you do that, it does become very repetitive. Yeah. Um, and it it leans into its own jokes, time and time again. That when you do that, it's just like, oh, not again, really, <laughs> really. And you know, it, don't get me wrong, it's played for laughs. You shouldn't be taking it seriously, but it's it's just, it just falls a little flat. So. A mixed review from me, and I think, but I think a slightly more positive one from you, Seb. Slightly more positive, still mixed, because yeah, it, it is hard to shake some of the things about it that are either a bit of a problem or that don't work. But I think I do just have so much affection for it. Um, and as I say, I think with the book, I think because I have read it more in the years since the cartoon, because I did remember watching the cartoon as a kid, but genuinely, I'd never gone back to the cartoon. That was a bit of a shock that that was just that that was so weak um and yeah. that was a shame um but no i think it's you know there's we, we were we had people say when we did our episode on um you know best fictional footballers that weren't roy the rovers um and we we um very consciously didn't go near billy the fish either because we felt it was worth an episode of his own and there were people who said to us oh you should have done billy the fish i mean billy the fish himself is not one of the greatest fictional footballers no but i do you know i do think the comic stands up as it's one of the most notable football based comic strips out there even if it is for completely different reasons from any other one yeah. um, it is one that people are likely to remember because it did come along in that in that period when Viz was at its at its own peak of popularity in the early nineties. Well, one of them was running then, and you know, and it, and it had its its book and its cartoon then. Um, but it's yeah, I think it's as I mean, you said you know when when he pops up um, now and again, it's it's a joy. I actually find it's not really because I I'm not sure there are any jokes left to do with Billy the Fish, and I think that's kind of the and I don't think their satire on football itself has generally been as clever as their satire on football comics was. So I think he's had his day, and I, and I don't think that actually, um, as I say, you know, I, I don't enjoy so much seeing him pop up now, because all it does is it makes me go, oh, that used to be really good in the 80s, <laughs> and now it's not as funny. And there are much funnier things in Viz than it. Yeah. Um, so this has been a little filler episode but yet somehow we've managed to run past an hour set we always knew, <laughs> I that knew was we somehow happen. would yeah um do you want to tell them where they can follow us on twitter 
Yep, you can follow the show um, at BTTL Podcast. Um, slightly awkward name, but it, it was all we were available to get. Um, I'm at Sir Patrick. Dave is at David Hartrick. And Dennis, who isn't here, is at Dennis with one N underscore Hurley. Um, you can also hear other episodes of the show if this is your first time at beyondthetouchline.co.uk. Um, you can hear us on Acast and Spotify and Apple and any other place where you get your podcasts. And you'll find links to all the relevant feeds at that site, beyondthetouchline.co.uk. Yes, uh, like, subscribe, review, etc. As everybody always says at the end of these podcasts. Um, just to fill you in with the schedule, as I briefly went into earlier, we've got uh, something... A little bit special, which Seven Dennis may be may or may not be dreading uh, coming up, um, and then we're back into one that is going to be quite a deep dive into something, I think, um, and back on a on a semi regular schedule. So, uh, so yeah, hope you stick with us for that. Uh, thank you very much, Seb. Thanks to you, and thank you for listening. See you later. Goodbye. the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.